0: Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at REBAG.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. I watched that clip of Megan over and over again because when she was like, everybody can hate me if they want to I just need to like myself mm, that's mm. what she said in yeah, the clip yeah, yeah. I was like retweet <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was just watching it over and over again I was like that's yep. what that's what I needed today yeah Betches Media presents Diet Starts Tomorrow But I stand behind my decision to avoid salad and other disgusting things with hosts Remy Casimir I'll have what she's having and Emily Lubin remember choose like you have a secret we're here to amuse your boosh
1: Hello and
0: welcome to Diet
1: Starts Tomorrow. I'm Remy. I'm Emily. And today's episode, we're going to be talking about bad body image days and how to deal with them and all that good stuff. But before we get into that, Emily has generously offered to tell a little bit more about her journey with her body. Um, You might have gotten a little clip of it in our episode with Aileen where we both talked about ours, but we're friends now.
0: Yeah, I feel close to you guys. Yeah. I feel like I can share. A little bit more about my experience without you thinking that I'm a downer. I think that's the number one thing <laughs> is like I literally said to Sean, our producer, I was like, you know, I can talk about my eating disorder, but I just feel like it bums people out. But it bums I also, me out, you it, know.
1: Sure. But it's something that you've been through. Also, like your history with your body is something that I think lets other people into your world
0: and your thoughts and like why you think a certain way. Totally. Um, I will say that my experience is not the same as everybody's experience. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you may have had disordered eating and your experience could look completely different than mine. Mm -hmm. I've really, I've done it all. Mm -hmm. Like (laughs) there are some people who are strictly anorexic, strictly bulimic, strictly binge eaters, but I've really experienced all of it um, because At least in my experience, it's been like a pendulum. So Mm -hmm. I would try to swing to one extreme and then I would always swing back in the other direction. And that's been going on or it was going on since I was a little girl. Mm -hmm. Um, And you described
1: to me that for most of your life, you're something that you would call small fat. Can you describe what small fat is?
0: Yeah. So there is a spectrum of fatness and I actually never heard the word small fat. Um, until fairly recently, mm-hmm. like, it's not like I called myself that when I was sure. one, no, no, of course. um, but we have I, a lot of
1: new words these days, a
0: lot of new words and words really empower you to be able to talk about your experience in a, yeah. in a real way, you know? And also just to let you guys know, I am going to use weight numbers and size numbers in this. Mm-hmm. Um, I was debating whether it was a good idea too, but I think if you are triggered by weight numbers or size numbers, yeah. Then maybe skip ahead or avoid this episode. Or
1: about eating disorders in general. Like Absolutely, yeah. I take mean, a, take a break or just take a pass.
0: Yes, do what's good for you. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so let's go back to your journey. My journey small fat. I was a you small-, were
1: small fat until about 18 years old.
0: I would say about twenty. Okay. I I so oh yeah. So I looked it up and apparently a small fat is between the sizes of a fourteen to an eighteen.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I was about a fourteen to a sixteen. Okay. Um, and I would fluctuate, and that was until age twenty. But when I was really little, I mean, you could look at pictures of me like it, it wasn't. It wasn't just that I was a little bit chubby. I mm-hmm. was um categorized as obese, and. So my mom would take me to nutritionists and it, the funny thing is she would take me with my siblings mm-hmm. and my brother was also chubby mm-hmm. as a kid, um, but my sister was not and um, but she would even have to go. It was kind of like, I, I'm not going to pretend like they weren't trying to be sensitive. Uh. I think that they thought if we all participated Mm -hmm. in this stuff, then I wouldn't feel singled out. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, and I actually told, I was talking to you about this when I went on How Come recently. Yeah, I was always so pissed off about that because I was like, I'm not a fucking idiot. Mm. I know that when you say we need to get in shape or we Mm. should all be healthy Mm -hmm. or we should lose 10 pounds. You're talking about me. You're so clearly talking about me. Yeah. So it's not just that you think I'm fat. You also think I'm an idiot. Yeah. (laughs) And that's upsetting, you know?
1: Yeah. Or it's not, it's like, and you're saying there is something that we want you to change about yourself, but we're not even going to have the respect for you to say that.
0: Yeah. And nobody, and you know, she was, my mom was trying to be sensitive about it, but then she would have these episodes where it would just come out and- she would lash out at me and say, you know, i remember one time we went to the doctor and i i told her on the way over there how scared i was to go to the doctor because i knew that they were going to weigh me. Mm-hmm. and i had weighed myself, we had a home scale. and i weighed myself a few days before and i had gained 10 pounds. like let's say this was um a summer break from school. Yeah. i had put on 10 pounds mm-hmm. that summer. and I decided to tell my mom because I I was really nervous about it and and I said I'm so scared to go. I know that they're going to put me on the scale and I gained ten pounds. I don't want the doctor to be mad at me. I mean, there there was all this pressure, like the from doctors. Yeah, and to this day, it's something that causes me a lot of anxiety going to the doctor. Yeah, but my mom just what I needed in that moment was her to to say. Oh, that's fine. It's not a big deal. You gain ten pounds. It's not a big deal. Or, you know, if she was a rock star mom, maybe she would have been like, "Let's ditch this doctor's appointment and go get ice cream." You know, totally. I don't know. I don't know what I was expecting, but but what I got was, you know, how could you have let yourself go? Mm -hmm. You should have lost that amount Mm -hmm. of weight. What what are you gonna do? I'm fed up with you. Mm -hmm. It was just like a source of guilt and there was nobody I could turn to that I could really trust in in those moments. So I would turn inward and unfortunately a big coping mechanism was eating. Yeah. I gotcha. So it was kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy in that way. Well, that's what's so fucked up is
1: like, I've never been a parent. So this is easier for me to say, but like you have to love your kids unconditionally or you will fuck them up in ways that are going to fuck them up harder If you had not said anything, you know, like if you really want your kid to be healthy, don't try to like hammer it into their head that like the only way that they're going to get love is being healthy. Yeah. Because they're going to become unhealthy.
0: Yeah. And, you know, it's also tough because I don't think it really was about being healthy. Right. I I just I don't. You think it's
1: about. Yeah. I mean, well, I had a question about because you said you were categorized as obese then. I remember that being a new word. That I learned in my lifetime, like was it when people were just starting to be categorized as obese? Like, remember there were like a lot of, a I lot of people were getting called obese that now we would look at and be like, that's not obese. Um,
0: well, I will say that BMI is bullshit. Okay, um, BMI, which is you know what most doctors use to basal metabolic.
1: What is BMI again?
0: Um it stands for body mass index. So it, okay. it's the number that most doctors will use to categorize you as either underweight, average weight or overweight mm-hmm. or obese. Mm-hmm. Um and I believe obese is above 30. That that's the number and 30 but like what is that for BMI. Okay, okay. Great. And it's different. It's measured by height and weight. Uh-huh. But the reason why it's bullshit is because your body weight depends on so many different things. Right. It's not just, you know, your physical frame. Mm-hmm. You could be a bigger. I could have bigger bones. I have a bigger frame than you do. Mm. I'm five foot eight and I have broad shoulders and long limbs. Like I have a bigger frame than you. I think do you know my shoulders I mean? are broader than yours. No way in hell. we will stand back no to back. Way. We're gonna have a shoulder off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, no. no. I'm literally like, I've had people <laughs> right in my now? family right now. We're gonna do it. Hold on,
1: let me get my ice pack out of my pants.
0: <laughs> I have to like crouch down to do this. Get, it. get on your
1: knees. Ooh but Sean, you have to come and see. What do you think?
0: Emily
1: wins. Yeah. Wow! Oh. But, by, but by much? By a fraction of an inch. A by a fraction, by of, a an fraction, inch, fraction though. of an inch. But consider, I'm 5'2". Okay,
0: well, you know what? I, got... I kneel corrected. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it feels like cat food has been the same forever. Smelly, boring, made of mystery ingredients. That's why you've got to try Small's. Small's cat food is protein-packed recipes made with preservative-free ingredients you'd find in your fridge. And it's delivered right to your door. Make the switch from kibble and give your cat a meal they'll love. We actually sent some to my friend who is fostering kittens, and it is the only thing they will eat. It comes in these pate packages, and you scoop it, and you just feel like you're a chef for your baby kitties, and they j'adore it. Your cute kitty is descended from ferocious desert cats who hunted live prey. Even if your cat prefers to nap all day, they still need fresh, protein-packed meals for a balanced and healthy diet. Other brands fill their food with mysterious meat byproducts, artificial flavoring, and preservatives with names I don't even want to try to pronounce. Have you ever
0: felt that fast fashion ick, but can't always find the super high end stuff? I have a solution for you Newly. Newly has everything you need to bring your closet up to speed for this season without breaking the bank. Free your closet of impulse purchases and skip the buyer's remorse by renting instead. That's N U U L Y dot com, newly with two U's with code DST20. Newly subscription clothing rental. Change your clothes. So you're in
1: the stage of your family where they're taking you to doctor's offices to basically like bully you into losing weight.
0: Yeah. So we went to a nutritionist. I remember. and. I don't even know what the qualifications were of this nutritionist. I don't mm-hmm. remember anything about her. Mm-hmm. I just remember that she had us on a diet plan that wasn't it wasn't extremely restrictive, but it, she was still telling us what to eat mm-hmm. every day mm-hmm. and um and I remember it was like three meals and two snacks a day. Mm-hmm. So then for years that's what you think I, yeah. of this e- healthy eating. Exactly. Like, even if I wasn't hungry, I would be like, hey, Gotta mom, have... can I have my second snack? Yeah. And she'd be like, I never should have taken you to that nutritionist. <laughs> <gasps> what the fuck? Literally? But you did, bitch. But you bitch. did. Yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah, but th- there were so many confusing rules about food. Like, I think my mom would take me to so-called experts mm-hmm. because she didn't really know what to do. And it wasn't her fault. She's not knowledgeable about this stuff but also was it her responsibility to fix you she thought it was know? right there was always this attitude that I was a huge problem and this is something that that's what like you sent me a picture of
1: you and your sister back in the day and you were like you can tell like why I was so insecure and I'm like
0: I really can't because you look fab like you're like thank you but If you look at that picture, I think it would take four of her to fit into my dress. (laughs) For sure. But then coming off of last week's episode, I'm like,
1: look how you presented yourself. Like you were still getting dressed and you still had such style. And like to me, looking at a person like that, like when I have bad body image days, there's no way I'm going to dress up, you know? So I, I really respect past you.
0: Thank you. I always had confidence. This was another thing that I- Yeah, I mean, this is another thing that I've learned in the past couple years is that confidence is different from self-esteem. And I definitely, I know what we use them very interchangeably. Yeah. But they're completely different. Um, And I always had very low self esteem. I did not think I was worthy. I did not think that I could take up space. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, you know, that's why I would stuff a lot of things down and not share my feelings Mm because I was like, people aren't going to love me if I'm Mm -hmm. not easy to love. And that was basically a manifestation of my low self esteem. However, I always had a lot of confidence. Yeah. I mean, You should have seen what I wore to prom. Like I wore black gloves up to here with like diamond jewelry over it and did my hair all big like Marilyn Monroe and red lipstick. Uh And, you know, like I wasn't scared to stick out necessarily, but Mm. deep down I didn't feel worthy. And those are Mm -hmm. two different things. Mm -hmm. Um, I was always very confident in my ability to make friends, Mm -hmm. um, I've, I've described myself as the hot girl whisperer before, and that's very right, true. Right, right. It's still true today. Yes. Hot girls love me, and I don't know what it is. <laughs> conventionally um, hot girls. Conventionally hot girls. Yes. Um, and I would always make friends with the hot girls, and I would be like, you know, the dumpy one. This, But is you thing. weren't dumpy.
1: <laughs> so here's my thing with confidence and self-esteem. Like what you're saying is so interesting to me because I've had so many people come up to me and go, but you seem so confident. Like we'll be having like a moment where I'm like revealing them. Feel really bad about myself. Yeah. Like, but you're so confident. I'm like, I have really bad self esteem. But like, and now just knowing that those two can exist. Yeah. And often do exist together. Well, and often,
0: yeah. I'm going to blow everyone's mind right now. Quite often, I would say that the most confident people actually have the lowest self esteem Mm, mm. because they learn to be confident to To kind of compensate for it. Yeah. And, I'll give you an example like I find myself in social situations a lot I suffer from social anxiety and I think that is also a product of my childhood um I'll find myself in social situations and I'll be so loud
2: I'm Mm. the loudest
0: person (laughs) in the fucking room and at a certain point I'm annoyed by myself yeah I'm annoyed by myself yeah but everyone else is having a great time so Therein lies the example of like I'm being so loud and so boisterous and mm-hmm. I'm entertaining everybody in the room but on the inside I'm like oh you're so fucking annoying totally you're so fucking like what do you have to prove to yeah these sometimes
1: like oh I just heard myself that was horrible
0: <laughs> yes yes I think comedians can pretty much all relate to that like we're all kind but of- I think everybody like yeah everybody's had that moment where you're just like
1: kill me right at this dinner table like yeah. i should not have said that you're like, why am i
0: still talking yeah <laughs> <laughs> you're like i really want to stop talking but the other person won't start talking so now i'm just talking um so you know on the other side of that too there are plenty of people who are very quiet and might not be the most confident in terms of like public speaking or expressing themselves but to they people have a quiet confidence but they they have self-esteem but they have self-esteem yeah yeah they, and and they actually do feel good about themselves and they feel like they know their place in the world and you would never know. So I just always say, don't assume that just because somebody is is loud and boisterous and mm. seems confident that they actually think they're are. the shit, yeah. you know, because that's not always true.
1: Yeah. Um, so by prom, you were still confidently dressing.
0: Confidently dressing. But I would say now the thing is, I fluctuated a lot. Um, throughout my childhood because I was put on so many diets and okay. because I was sent to fat camp. Okay. And then as a teenager... How you know, old
1: were you when you went to fat camp?
0: I was 10 or 11. I was in the 6th grade. And so are they still calling fat camp, fat camp? That's what we would call it. I think okay. that they would call it weight, loss, weight camp. loss camp. I actually went on the website of the camp that I went to and I saw that they were calling it a new image camp. I don't mm. remember if they called it that when I was there, but I think that's a little bit. They like fix your Tinder profile for you. Right, right. <laughs> they give you a hinge makeover. They give you a PR person. <laughs> I wish it was like that, to be honest. I needed a PR person yeah, as they a 10-year-old. Scrub your tweets. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um but yeah, so from being involved in all these programs and then as a teenager trying to diet by myself and mm-hmm. And then also just regular growing and stretching and whatever. Mm -hmm. I fluctuated a lot. Um, And then in college- Did you grow vertically all at once or are you a late I think I did. I think I did. I was always one of the tallest ones in the class. Um, I'm only, I I mean, I'm 5'8". There are definitely girls that are taller than me. But in middle school, I was always- if not the tallest the second in middle tallest school, I was the tallest girl in the class and then everybody shot up past me Isn't it crazy how boy <laughs> like you're always taller than the boys until you're 12 like I wonder why that is biologically not All the boys I was taller than all the boys Interesting Yeah the the boys in my school like didn't have growth spurts until like 16 17 That might be normal but I just I've just always wondered why mm. Um somebody write in <laughs> Yeah tell us <laughs> Um but but yeah, and I was always very self-conscious about that. Like, I remember um, I was with th- two or three of my friends and their one of their moms and she was giving us a ride somewhere. And you know how you're not supposed to sit in the front seat until you're like 12 yes, or something? because you're not tall enough. So... I was the youngest one in the group, Mm -hmm. technically. Mm -hmm. You know, we're all like a few months apart. Mm -hmm. But I was putting up this bitch fit about About not sitting in the front front seat because I was so self-conscious. I was like, I'm actually the youngest one. And so Hannah should definitely sit in the front seat, not me. Meanwhile, Hannah was actually would have gone through the windshield. Yeah. Like like she should not. There was nobody who thought this girl should be in the front seat. And
1: I remember her mom. so interesting because like for, for, I think, female bodied people, any taking up space, whether it's horizontally or vertically, like I never even thought about that. But yeah, I've had friends that were called, oh, you've gotten so big and really. They meant tall. Yeah.
0: Yeah. um, But either way, they were offended. You know, it wasn't really like it wasn't really about sitting in the front seat. Mm-hmm. It was what it represented. Yeah, you're it, different. Yeah, and and yeah. you just don't want to be different. And I remember that her mom said to me, because I was, you know, crying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I also, I'm trying to be kinder to myself since I've been to therapy. You know, for a long time, I was like, why was I such a crybaby? And the reason is because I was very traumatized. Mm-hmm. And I had every right to be feeling those feelings. But I kind of look back and and like, from my current day perspective, I'm like, all right could you not be a wet blanket you know what I mean like I judge myself and I shouldn't do that I was a crybaby too it's okay it's okay to be sensitive I was told for so many years you're so sensitive you know my family would always be like why are you so sensitive why are you taking this so personally So I, mean to say to a
1: sensitive person. It's so make me be cry harder about that. Yeah,
0: yeah. Rub salt in my
1: wound. Why don't you?
0: But as an adult, I really don't see it that way anymore. I see my sensitivity as a strength. Same. I don't see it as a weakness. Yeah. And I think it's it's like everything that I've achieved in my life is because of my sensitivity. If you are a sensitive person, that means you have capability
1: of being sensitive to other people. Yeah, which is a huge strength. Like when I, we literally, there was a fight that I listened in on recently I love to listen in on fights if I'm in the same house as it Mm. and somebody was saying you're being oversensitive to someone else and I said afterwards I'm like you can't say that like you don't even bring up their sensitivity acknowledge that they are sensitive so you have to treat them
0: sensitively yeah you're so right it's a it's also like calling somebody sensitive you're trying to hurt them you're trying to hurt them because if you were trying to help them, you would acknowledge the specific feelings yeah. that they're feeling, yeah, and and how could I be contributing to that? Yeah. I, I for a long time I, I thought that was um, that I had a chip missing because I couldn't just stuff my feelings down. I would try to, mm-hmm. but I couldn't because mm-hmm. I had a lot of feelings and I didn't feel like they were being met. So now I'm just like whenever somebody says that to me, because you know people in my family will will even to this day. Be like, oh, she's such a sensitive girl. Sure. And I'm like, yeah, I am. I am. What of it? Act accordingly. Act accordingly. You've known this this whole time. You're an
1: asshole at this point.
0: You also are, you're the ones who made me sensitive. (laughs)
2: Yeah. I don't know what to tell you.
0: Okay, so going back to the the whole sitting in the front seat thing, I, I just meant to touch on this, but what she, what her mom said really stayed with me. Her mom said, "Like it must be really hard to be the biggest." I know that that Ooh. Hannah Hannah um, doesn't like being the smallest, Ooh. and you know, I realized in that you moment, never want to be the superlative. You just don't want to be different, yeah. from anybody, yeah, and now. As an adult, you know, I would hate if somebody implied that I looked the same as everybody in the Betches office, for example. You know what I mean? Like, I would hate Everybody if, here looks so different. So different. But yeah. I'm just saying, like, yeah. if somebody was like, oh, all well, you girls look the same. Yeah. That would be insulting to me. But I think back in the day, I would have been like, oh, good.
1: Right. We're very homogenous. Mm-hmm. Sorority girl effect.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah. So then when I got to college, I, I went... Um, to study abroad, and I gained weight, as a lot of people do mm-hmm. during study abroad. So I remember when I came back, I was two hundred pounds, mm-hmm. and that was about my highest weight was mm-hmm. two hundred pounds. Um, and you know, plenty of people weigh more than that and are able to live healthy lives, um, happy lives, happy lives, lives I, with love in them. I yeah, and but. The way that I grew up and the company that I kept yeah. and and all of those things. You
1: weren't going to be afforded that.
0: I, I just wasn't at the time. I yeah. often think back and I think, oh, what, if I had found body positivity or if I had found intuitive eating back then, health at every size, all of these things that I'm so passionate about now, would it have been different? Could I have accepted myself in a larger body? Mm-hmm. Would I be in this body now?
1: Uh, well, you were saying the company that you kept like. Obviously, your family is something you're born into. But when you were saying you were the hot girl whisperer, do you think that is a part of the issue that you couldn't speak to your friends because they were so dead set on being
0: thin? Yeah, I was influenced by them. Um, Not in, you know, it's not like they were more disordered than anybody else. It's just, it was just the water that we were swimming in. I don't know how to describe it. Like, Mm -hmm. I think that I liked being friends with hot girls because it made me feel better about myself. Yeah. Which, you know, might be kind of a controversial thing to say, but I really think it's true. Like I thought that if I even if I was the least good looking in my eyes uh-huh. of of my friend group, uh-huh. it like elevated me to a point like So this is what we were talking
1: about last week with the girls getting kicked out of the club. It gives you access to a certain point, right? Being friends with hot people or yeah. the right people. But again it gives you access. To different friends, to different parties, different places you can go, but up until a point. Especially if they're not supporting you in all of your you-ness, you know, like if they're not into they're like, we love Emily, but we don't we don't like fat people. Mm-hmm. And if some guy's like, Yeah, you guys can come to the party, but don't bring Emily, like
0: Which never happened, but something great. that Oh, that's good then. You know, but something that did happen was there was one summer. This girl, um, this girl Carrie. Mm-hmm. She was the school uh, sexually explorative. Nice, and you know a lot of people back then they they called her a slut. But the thing is, she wasn't even a slut. She like what's a slut? As someone who's sexually promiscuous. L- like yeah. she wasn't even. Se- this was middle school, so yeah. she was maybe she hooking was kissing up. people. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> okay. That's what I mean. Yeah, exactly. So. She would take me to the movies and she always knew boys. I was always like, how do you know all these boys? They Mm -hmm. never went to our school. Mm -hmm. She would talk to them on AOL Instant Messenger and I would be sitting next to her like, ooh, like, yeah, write him an Usher lyric. You know, (laughs) (laughs) like it was ridiculous. But she would introduce me. You're the boy whisperer, too. Apparently. Boys love Usher. Boys love Usher. (laughs) actually this just came back to me she was like i need a new uh aim username i need a new aim username
1: so i was like oh sure <laughs> 22
0: <laughs> it was like i was like why don't you do it like you got it bad but alternate capital letters and lowercase letters and then put xx i
1: love that that is horny
0: so yeah i was i was the username whisperer mm-hmm. also um but anyway so she one knew summer, these guys she always knew these guys. One summer we went to the movies every other day and we went to see this movie called Without a Paddle, which is not a movie that I recommend. Okay. Um, it's like, it's one of those, you know, early aughts comedies that people quickly forgot about. Sure. We went to see it twice okay. because we went to see with different groups of boys. Mm-mm. And the first time that we went, she had a guy that... a a boy who she was kind of interested in and he brought a friend mm-hmm. and the friend asked to switch seats with his friend so that he didn't have to sit next to me. It's so mean. It's so mean, but it's, it was middle school, you know? Um, yeah, but that's when people are most mean. That's when people are most mean. I, I think, uh, until they get
1: on the internet and then they're also s- still mean.
0: Listen, I was kind of mean on the internet too. I, I used to catfish people what? I, yeah, I did. I'm ashamed of it. What? <laughs> to what extent? Okay. Well, the, 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 now this is tangential, but this is how it started. Mm-hmm. How it started was my username was Britney Jean 911 because I loved Britney Spears. You pretended to be Britney Spears? Not on purpose. I just really <laughs> loved Britney Spears, so I <laughs> and her middle name is catfish. Her middle name is Jean, and my birthday is 911. Never forget. So. Mm-hmm. I made my username Brittany Jean 911. Then I used to go into these chat rooms because there was no uh, parental supervision at the time. Sure. And people would message me and one person messaged me like, are you actually Britney Spears? This is a time in the age of the internet when you your username could just be Brittany and people would actually think sure. you were the real Britney Spears. And I was like, oh no, I'm not her. I'm just a big fan. But then it kind of flipped a switch and i thought oh i I can be yeah I, i wonder if people would believe me how far did you take this so it continued for a little bit with the britney username and then i started to get creative and i i made a username for all of the female degrassi actors cool um and it went on for probably about a year. Like, I would just log on these different usernames mm-hmm. and go into kids-only chat rooms. And I'd be like, oh, hey, um, I'm Manny Santos from Negrossi. Yeah, <laughs> like Whatever her name. Cassie Steele, yeah. I think, is her name. Cassie Steele is her name. Um, Whale and tail for life. I would have, ugh, iconic. Mm-hmm. If you know what we're talking about, slide in my DMs. I'm always ready to talk if about that you don't know scene. what we're talking
1: about, you are not old enough. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, true. Um so then I eventually got caught because somebody tricked me into calling them on the phone. Mm. And they saw that my area code was from New York. And not Canada. And not Canada. Yeah. Um, so they shamed me. And then I shut my computer and never did it again. OK, this is not the type of catfishing I was thinking because I've seen like a lot of videos online
1: of bigger bodied women talking about the fact that they get accused of catfishing all the time because yeah. they'll only have pictures of their face or like because that's what you put on your dating I app. only have
0: pictures of my face exactly too. and yeah. then
1: people will yell at and not yell at them but you know be rude to them mm-hmm. and be like you you were putting up something that isn't actually there you didn't tell me about your whole body or whatever and it's like at what point at what point do you have to stop do you have to Show your bits, too, so that they're not surprised about that. Right. Like, Like, like,
0: do I need my friend to get down on the floor and take a picture of my butt crack coming out (laughs) of my jeans? Like, how much do you need to see of me? Um, Well, I will tell you, when I was heavier and I was trying to date people, there was an element of that. Um, I'm trying to think, did dating apps exist? Like, dating apps didn't really exist, but I'll tell you something that I did do, and I wasn't going to share this because my sister listens to this podcast, but here we go. I had a pen pal. um, As you do. That I met online. I used to meet so many people online. I mean, Mm -hmm. this was another way. It was an escape for me was meeting Mm -hmm. people online um, because they had no idea what I looked like. And back then, you weren't even expected to really share pick for pick. You know, it it was so it was such a wonderful time. But (laughs) but I had this pen pal and we were not you know, I will say the nature of our conversations was not sexual at all. It wasn't romantic. He would actually tell me about this girl that he was in love with who had wanted nothing to do with him. Mm -hmm. And I'd be like, you know, I'm always here for
2: you Mm -hmm. type of
0: thing. But, um, but at one point I said, oh, you know, it it would be nice to see what you look like. Um, I think we had been chatting for about a year and, um, and I said, can you send me a picture? He said, well, I'm not really like, I don't really want to share it over the internet or something. So I was like, I'll give you my address. You could send me a a photograph.
1: He sent you a letter?
0: Yeah, he sent me a letter and he said, okay, now you send me one. And And I sent him a picture of my sister. Whoa. (laughs) Her senior photo. I was also, I'm eight years younger than my sister, which was another part of it. I think I think he was like 17 or 18 and I was 14 and I sent him a picture of my sister. Oh, bad, Emily. Yeah. But I also like, yeah, I was never going to send him a picture of me at the time. I was so ashamed, you know, I just wanted him to think I was pretty. And that was the prettiest woman I knew.
1: But what if he thought you were pretty as yourself? You know, you kind of like robbed yourself of that opportunity. I I did.
0: I just didn't think that was a possibility. Right. I never did. Right. I didn't get it. I mean, I didn't get any kind of attention from boys for a very long time. And that's another thing that I'm trying to break out of now is like I, I'm trying to t- not to think of beauty in terms of the male gaze. Right. Or and, or what other people think at all. Yeah. Well, I I told you, I, I, I've been flirting with the idea of cutting my hair. Right. Like cutting it above my shoulders. Yeah. And some of these <laughs> comments that I'm getting from my friends are a little bit triggering. Sure. Like they're kind of like, okay. Oh yeah, only really stunning girls can have short hair. That's so mean. It's so mean and I'm like shocked that anybody would say that to me and I I try not to let you have you said do you realize what you're saying to me? Like I haven't. And that's yeah. I think that's part of my shame. It's part of my shame that I still carry around. I'm always like, if I have bad feelings about something, I can deal with that myself. Oh, it's no. it's it's a coping mechanism that I I think I stuff so much down and I try to handle everything by myself. And you just you can't. I mean you can, but then you end up being really lonely because yeah. you're not confiding in anyone. And
1: also then your friend group becomes like even or not becomes even more toxic but is allowed to stay more toxic or your family or whoever like you're surrounded by like if they say something fucked up and you don't call them out then you kind of become their safe space to say fucked up shit too and then they go on and say it to the rest of the world so like the other day I was having a conversation with somebody from my family who's literally like yelled at me for gaining weight before and um we were talking about thanksgiving and I was on speakerphone and this family member was talking to somebody who was like, Oh, how's your Thanksgiving going or whatever? Like, what are you going to do for Thanksgiving? And then my family member was like, whatever you do, don't eat too much. And I go, why? You know, like just to say, why would you like, not why would you say that? Why don't eat too much? Also,
0: why is it like, whatever you do, whatever you do at this eating holiday, (laughs) It's like, that would be the worst thing you could possibly... This day is all about eating. What are you
1: talking yeah. about? And so I said, why? And the response was, oh, come on, don't pick on me. <laughs> don't pick... You literally just maybe gave someone an eating disorder for right. Thanksgiving, and right. you're the one being picked on?
0: Please don't call me out for saying Please, something stupid. Stop. um Yeah, I... <laughs> I like I almost want to cut my hair more out of spite, but I'm trying to do it because I want to do it. It's it's like right. It, the whole what it represents to me is like I can have short hair and still feel pretty. Because mm-hmm. it's not cuz I just feel like the long hair thing is a crutch some of the time and it's like me kind of trying to cater to the male gaze still. Like sure. I still catch myself doing little things or making certain choices like even things that I think my boyfriend will think is more attractive. Mm-hmm. When really like it doesn't matter what he thinks. I mean, it does matter, but you know what I mean. And ultimately, he's going to be attracted to you no matter what. Because
1: he likes your I hope soul.
0: So. Yeah, I hope so. I'm Would converting to Would he like you if you were a worm? He better. A worm? Yeah. <laughs> like Heidi Klum? Yeah, exactly. She had the worm costume. Exactly. Um, but yeah, So I, what I said to you about short hair, though. What you said is very valid. <laughs> what you said, and I, I have thought of, about this. You said it's deceptively a lot of maintenance. It's a lot of maintenance. Like, you think that it'll dry quicker. It'll be easier. Yeah. But you actually have to style it like pretty much every day. I looked like Doc Brown when I was
1: platinum with short hair. You know, I, from Back to the Future, yeah, like I'd I be like, Doc Marty! I,
0: <laughs> I loved your short hair, especially when you bleached it. I, I found it so high fashion, so cute. When it was done. When it was, when yeah, sure. Every
1: other day, Ben was waking
0: up to Doc Brown. I need to be like, do we need to get plutonium? Can you, okay, real quick. Can you clarify something for me? Sure. So I do my hair and then I leave it for a couple of days. That's like what I do. I, you yeah. know, I'll wash it, yeah, yeah, blow yeah. it out, and then I'll see how long I can go until it starts to be fucked up. Sure. What, how would short hair be more than that if I'm already doing my hair? Because it gets fluffy.
1: There's A, static in the winter. Okay. B, static on your pillows. Okay. Like C, your you got less hair. Okay, this is not research, but you've got less hair. So I'm thinking that like your oil distributes differently or something. I don't know. It but, just fucked me up and I don't want that to happen Okay, to you. But, but like, if you need your, to do it, do it.
0: Uh, but but just to nail this down, in your experience, <laughs> yeah. because nobody will give me a straight answer. Nobody, th- this is another in
1: thing. In my experience, I'm glad I did it. I'm also really glad it's over.
0: Okay. And, and you know, I might not for the do bleach it. And the cut, right? Well, the bleach—I'm never going back to. I used to bleach my hair I know too. I It completely ruins your hair. Horrible. Um, I, I, I need to give it some serious thought, and I'm going to. But you know, some of these things that people say to me just make me want to do it more because it—it's almost like, oh, you're not supposed to do that. Like somebody said to me, oh, like your face is too round for that. No, that's like, not a thing. Why are you? Why do you think people with so, round faces can't have short hair? Right, Selena Gomez. If, if anybody has short- who gains weight.
1: They can't have short hair.
0: It's ridiculous.
1: So, you were fluctuating throughout high school.
0: Yeah, and college.
1: And college. And then.
0: And then, when I was a senior in college, my sister got married and mm-hmm. I was named the maid of honor. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, well, not all of a sudden, but more so than ever before, mm-hmm. there was this pressure to lose weight. Yeah. Um
1: got to look good for the wedding. You got
0: to look good for somebody else's wedding. Yep. You just you know that age-old expression, <laughs> you got to you got to make the bride look good. By the way, I look at those pictures now and I cringe cuz I was wearing so much makeup. This makeup um mm. artist put so much makeup on my young 21-year-old face. Um it's it's a tragedy. But that was my motivation. Um for I for losing weight. I I remember getting sick though. Well, that happened later. So okay. so I, I initially I was just like I want to lose 50 pounds. Jesus. That was the goal. In how much time? I had one semester to do it and I was determined to do it. Um and you know, it's, it's crazy. I had tried to lose weight so many times before, but I think being at college uh-huh. and not being around my family uh-huh. and not having anybody watching me, not having to share my meals with anyone, it made it a lot easier um, for better and for worse. And also um, I started working out, doing lots and lots of cardio uh-huh. um, and counting everything I was eating. And um, anyway, I lost more than 50 pounds. I lost 60 pounds that semester and so I was my sister's made so m- like 10 pounds per month yeah that's crazy yeah
1: and not healthy probably it,
0: right? it it wasn't healthy but when I tell you I I didn't think at the time that I was doing anything unhealthy sure and I'm I am being honest about that because there were certain points in my but looking back now do you think because I'm wondering from people who
1: are maybe doing this right like I feel I, bad if if I just said, oh, 10 you, pounds in one month is too much. And somebody's like, but I just did that. I'm really proud.
0: You know what? I think it depends what your starting weight is. Yeah. I think if you're thinking about any kind of weight loss program, you should talk to your doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, and counting calories just isn't the healthiest way to do anything because... You know, you could be eating only corn chips and be in your allotted calories, and be like, "I'm fine," but you're not. You're missing out on a lot of nutrients. Yeah. So I think your health really needs to come first. Mm-hmm. And at the uh, for me, it didn't. I just was having these little meals and yeah, um, and doing lots of cardio and using my fitness pal, which I've already talked about, right. is not the right yeah tool for that. Um, so yeah, at the time, like, I didn't think I was being unhealthy. I thought I was just working towards a goal mm-hmm. but then because I was made of honor for my sister I went to try on all these dresses mm-hmm. and I heard my mom say to she brought a friend with us to the fitting and I heard her say to her something like oh well that dress like this dress might be really good for her because it'll hide her belly and it'll hide mm-hmm. her arms mm-hmm. and and I just had this moment thinking like why is this not fun for me? It's just everybody else, when they go dress shopping, it's like, what's going to make me feel beautiful? What are we going to accentuate? Yeah. What are we what accentuating? Are we what it ha- yeah. And for me, it was. I dress to hide. What, yeah. What, you dress to hide. Yeah. You, Remy Casimir. Me, Remy Casimir. Yeah. And I did for many, many years. Yeah. I think in some ways I still do. Mm-hmm. Um, there are certain parts of my body that I'm self-conscious of and and I try to hide them. And But you having bare sleeves today?
1: instead of stuffing an ice pack down your pants
0: well i am wearing short sleeves but i will say the leap to sleeveless is a whole other thing yeah but i'm working towards that for you (laughs) um (laughs) but but yeah i mean i'm still very self-conscious yeah about my arms i think a lot of women are Mm -hmm. i'm self-conscious about my midsection Mm -hmm. um those were always areas that i had a lot of fat um but i always had like long skinny legs i was like an apple apple shape um but, yeah, that, I mean, that moment for me was, was just really heartbreaking. And I just, yeah. I went back to school thinking, I don't want to stick out like a sore thumb at this wedding. I don't want any negative attention on me at all. Yeah. So I'm going to do whatever it takes. Yeah. And people we're happy about it. <laughs> that is the thing. Like yeah. when I went home, people were shocked, but not shocked in in like, "Oh, are you okay?" It was shocked in in the way of like, Yay. Wow, tell me your secret. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, you look so much more like your sister now." Mm. And then after that, I I had to keep cutting out more and more to keep it going and to not put the weight back on. Mhm because I had set such an unrealistic standard for myself Mm -hmm. that I couldn't get off the diet. I mean, this is what we're talking about when we say that diets are not sustainable. It's that you can't stick to it for the rest of your life. And many people who lose a big percentage of their body weight Mm -hmm. do end up putting that weight back on. But some of them don't. And I would say with a fair amount of certainty that a big percentage of the people who don't carry on with disordered eating throughout their life. Mm -hmm. Um, Because that is just the mentality and you don't think of it as disordered eating. You just think, oh, I want to maintain this new body that I have. So I'm going to keep cutting out more and more and more. So then I have a question. yeah,
1: Because you have been doing intuitive eating and you're still living in a very small body. How do you think, like, do you think your body Body just changed or like you know what I like
0: yeah so I to be quite honest with you I don't know okay. because there's so many factors at play here mm-hmm. I think part of it is my genetics most people in my family are tall and thin but some are short and thin we have a lot of diversity mm. um and you know they're they're all you know thin or athletic and there's also I've learned a lot about this stuff. And there is a theory that I mention a lot. I don't know if I've mentioned it on here yet, but it's called set point theory. And this is the theory that basically if you are intuitively eating, intuitively exercising, if you're not doing anything too crazy, if you're not following a specific plan or you're just you know listening to your body and, mm-hmm. and going about your day as normal, your weight will naturally fall between, um, a 10 pound range Mm -hmm. usually Mm -hmm. and that's where your body feels more most comfortable so that's why a lot of people when they go on diets they get to a point and they hit a plateau Mm -hmm. and they can't seem to lose any more weight that is because that 10 pound range give or take where they're supposed to sit it's where they're supposed to sit it's where they're most comfortable there are people that dispute this theory but you think your body right now is where you're supposed to sit then so I did I got to a point that I thought was my set point and then over the Past year or so, I started losing more weight. So I I really don't know. I think Uh this could be my set point, or it could just be that I'm at the lower end of my set point because I live in New York and I I walk a lot Mm -hmm. and I I go to the gym and Mm -hmm. you know it could be a lifestyle thing. Um, It's hard to it's really hard to say. Yeah, but but yeah, I don't know how I'm this small. I mean, it's crazy to me that I'm this small. I also I'm like
1: were you always naturally very small? And then like, because you had so many conversations about disorder, eat, you know what I mean? Like, would you have grown out of the way that a lot of kids just like shoot up? And yeah. not, you know, that way. But um, a lot of kids are like little chubby kids, and then they shoot up and they become these like willowy tall people. Yeah. or whatever. Would that have happened to you if you're mom had never taken you into a nutritionist if she had never put that much emphasis on food and weight or whatever if your body had just been like allowed to cycle
0: so I've wondered the same thing yeah. and I don't have a clear-cut answer I don't but think
1: there is an answer there like we isn't can't. like
0: there's no way to really know for yeah. sure yeah but you're absolutely right a lot of kids are just chubbier And then they grow out of it or they don't, you know, or everybody's body is different. Mm -hmm. And if it wasn't treated like this huge problem, Mm -hmm. I do wonder, Mm -hmm. I do wonder what would have happened. And it kind of is frustrating to me that I won't ever know that. Yeah. But that's why you don't send a kid to weight loss camp. Yeah. I'm sorry. Like, that's why you don't put a 10 year old on a diet. And I struggle with, you know, I don't want my mom to hear something and to to think she was a terrible mother she was not a terrible mother but this no, was we'll a talk
1: about intergenerational trauma eventually
0: yeah and I think there was some of that at play here yeah. and also it was the 90s fat camp was booming in the yeah. 90s my mom didn't just send me to this camp because she thought of it herself she heard about it from somebody else yeah she heard about it from somebody else's mom yeah so I can't blame her for not being educated about this stuff because it was only you know four years ago five years ago that I started being educated about this stuff and hopefully I will be even more educated after we go through this podcast yeah
1: you said to me at one point that anorexia was always the goal which really struck me because I was like That's how I felt too. Was that? That's what you wanted? Like you wanted to,
0: but you never heard it put in that. No, I've never heard it. You know, I've talked to a lot of people who had bulimia. If if people ask me what kind of eating disorder did Mm -hmm. you have, sometimes I will say primarily bulimia because I don't want to get into the whole story of how it happened. But the bulimia lasted the longest. but that wasn't the goal. I never wanted to be bulimic. I wanted to be anorexic. And I restricted really, really heavily. But then f- when I discovered bulimia, it was kind of like this hack. genius magic solution. Yeah. It was kind of like it, it wasn't, it didn't start out as like a gross thing or a sad thing uh-huh. or it, it, was, it was a solution to my problem. I can eat some things that I like, uh-huh. but I'll just get rid of it later.
1: I think it's interesting because- I don't know if this is true for you, but I think I learned about anorexia first, and okay. then I learned about bulimia second. And I think when I learned about bulimia, I was like, oh, that does sound good because then you can have the tastes and stuff. And I did try it. Mm. Um, it didn't work for me. You know, In what
0: sense? I couldn't do it. Oh, you, you couldn't? You, you tried to throw up, yeah. you saying? Yeah. This is why we have trigger warnings. Yeah. Um, yeah. I didn't think I'd be able to do it either, but I-, mm-hmm. I definitely was um and i also i took laxatives for a number of years which is something that a lot of people don't talk about because it's kind of gross and kind of embarrassing but um but i did that too you get addicted to the act of it you get addicted to feeling empty even when you know that this is hurting you and and i talk about this a lot like you get to a certain point in your disorder where it's like you know that this is really bad for you Mm -hmm. um but you can't stop. Right. And and it becomes a friend to you is another thing. Right. Like my eating disorder was my enemy, but it was also my best friend. Yeah.
1: Because it was something that you were like, oh, I can count on you to be here every day with mm-hmm. me. Um, I think bulimia also, when I started learning about it, it was glamorized by a lot of things.
0: Okay. Um,
1: because it was like, oh, at least you can like still eat publicly. And then like the Blair Waldorf's or something were like.
0: Oh, yeah. You
1: know, so. Yeah. Um, I'm sure a lot of people have who have had disordered eating or eating disorders have gone through trying Multiple. a bunch of them. Yeah, yeah, no,
0: it's it's very common, and you know, the, like there are people who are primary. It's rare that somebody will just fall into one category, mm-hmm. um, and and have never tried anything else. I mean, I, I do have a friend who um she was hospitalized for anorexia and she said she's she's never been bulimic never tried mm-hmm. it but i do think that's kind of rare yeah um because you-, you because even if you're anorexic a lot of people find themselves in situations where they just have to eat because right. they're pretending not to be anorexic right. and then it's like a fail safe I'll make myself throw up yeah um but you get addicted to that feeling um so yeah so then bu- bulimia really took over my life and that point it it started to be like restricting as it it was restricting as much as i could and then throwing up when i had to mm-hmm. but then that progressed into throwing up every day mm-hmm. and then binging and then having these massive what do i even call them like binge fests yeah in my house in my apartment by myself yeah I would eat everything. I mean, I would I would open up a jar of peanut butter and not stop until I got to the bottom and by the time I got to the bottom, I would be so physically sick. Mm-hmm. My stomach would be in so much pain, but I couldn't not finish it. Yeah. And then and then right afterwards I would get rid of it and then um and then I would start that process all over again. And it was a really really painful thing. I was yeah. isolating from from all my friends. Yeah. Um not really spending time with people, not really doing things that i used to enjoy. i was really depressed, but i was of depressed course. because of the of the eating disorder and then when i went to therapy to um to to see how i could break out of it. That's when I realized all of a sudden, I was like, oh, yeah, I have an anxiety disorder. Mm. Food was never the issue. My body was never it's the issue. Control thing. It was a control thing. It was a defense mechanism, and it was a, a way to cope with feeling out of control. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, n- now I practice intuitive eating. I learned about intuitive eating in therapy, mm-hmm. and it helped me so much. But it took years. This and you were is, never
1: hospitalized.
0: I was never hospitalized No, I wasn't. And I also, it's worth mentioning that I was never medically underweight. That is
1: worth mentioning because a lot of people will say, oh, well, you can't have an eating disorder if you don't look a certain way. It's like you can really be hurting yourself and, um, you know, shedding the lining of your throat and your teeth and mentally you're unwell. Yeah. it still very much counts.
0: Uh, Absolutely. And it goes back to what we were saying that all bodies are different. Yeah. Not. Everybody, you know, actually Megan Ixum was in here last week and she was saying that when she was starving herself, she was like between a size 12 and a 14. Yeah. But she was starving herself. All bodies are different. I was starving myself and I was maybe, you know, 15 pounds lighter than I am now. Yeah. But for somebody else, it could look completely different. Yeah. Also, I I was still eating, which contributed to that. You know, I, I was restricting, but then binging. And I think that made up for part of it.
1: Um, I will also say sometimes like in my life, when I have not been thinking about food or whatever, I've been my thinnest. And -hmm. when I've been trying to diet or whatever, I've gained way more weight just because it's what I'm thinking. about. Can I tell
0: you the reason for that? Sure. It's mental restriction. Mm. So I, I always say this, but there are two kinds of restriction. There's physical restriction and there's mental restriction. Right. And yeah. um, physical restriction would be like if you said, I'm not eating bread anymore. Mm-hmm. And then the bread basket comes around when you're at a restaurant and you eat the whole thing because mm-hmm. you've been restricting that. Mm-hmm. Very easy to understand. The mental restriction took me longer to understand, but I think it's more pervasive. Mm-hmm. And it's it's this feeling that you shouldn't be eating certain things yes. or that you're bad or you're being scandalous for eating something and you're thinking that subconsciously
1: so you're allowing yourself the bread but then you're like being mean to yourself about the bread being like oh that was awful
0: yeah or like i can't have any of this later yeah you know yeah um this was my bread for today Mm -hmm. if you have those negative thoughts while you're eating you're not going to be satiated by the food Mm -hmm. um it's it's a psychological thing, and and yeah. uh, and it actually has the same effect as true restriction. Also, uh, another example of this is people who grow up under the poverty line, people who grow up yeah. uh, their families on food stamps. Oftentimes, they will experience um, restriction just because of the nature of food being expensive, and they can't afford it.
1: But or food being in. Low supply. In low supply. And yeah. Food
0: not being accessible. Yeah. I should say. And then and then a lot of a lot of people who grew up like that will experience the same kind of restriction as people who grew up in heavy dieting households who had access to food, but the restriction was there mentally rather than physically. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Totally. Like they actually oftentimes will end up with the same disordered Disorder. behavior yeah. around yeah, food, Yeah, yeah. Which I think is fascinating. Totally. It really doesn't do even too. matter what your what your background is, we can all end you're up all with You're all going to be fucked up. <laughs> no matter what you do, you're not going to feel good.
1: You have but a good voice. But you might. Thanks. <laughs> you're welcome. You might if you listen to this podcast. So that's actually what I was going to ask you because we've gotten your journey, but you still are having bad body image days, I'm sure.
0: Yeah, I have them sometimes for sure. Yeah, And you know what? This is funny, but... I've become so in tune with my body I started tracking my menstrual cycle
1: okay and I
0: started noticing that a lot of the time when I'm like ugh, I feel disgusting yeah the next day I get my period and I'm like okay well kind of i well, kind yeah. of we... don't want to tell people about this what <laughs> because because I'm like m- my feelings feel invalid no. when I get my period no. do you know what I mean because it's, it's hormonal but it's fine. I'm not I'm not I'm being facetious. Okay, I don't really. Okay, okay. Feel that Sometimes right. I don't
1: understand jokes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so what do you do though if you're having a bad body image day now?
0: Um, I like to exercise, which I know that um it like sounds counterintuitive, but mm. I find that exercise just makes me feel less anxious in general, mm-hmm. and it could be like something really light. It could mm-hmm. be just like light stretching or or whatever, but I I do really find it helpful to move my body and to not focus on, um, the aesthetics of that movement. Mm -hmm. I also find, you know, if I can avoid seeing people great, if I can stay home and, and put on big comfy clothes, the problem is you can't always do that. Um, so I, you know, I, I think if you can cancel your plans, like your good friends will understand, um, Mm -hmm. you you know, I've started telling people like I'm having a really bad body image day. Totally. And, and maybe, Sometimes it helps to have people around you, but sometimes it helps to be alone. Um, and I think, mm-hmm. like, you can just play it by ear. But if I'm able to, I will just, like, chill out in comfy clothes and just not yeah. look in mirrors. I find that helps. Just, yeah. like, not looking in a mirror. Totally. So freeing. That's why I was going to
1: say when you said working out initially, I was like, oh, but all the mirrors there. like Yeah, that's But true. just stretching or whatever. Like, yeah. you don't have to do a workout that is um, what you normally do or what you think of doing as an intention to lose weight you don't yeah. have to do cardio you don't
0: have to go run three miles yeah. like that's not what i'm talking about yeah. just you can just do a just like little movement. pilates you you could do a little pilates guys you could do a little pilates <laughs> she's coming
1: over to the pilates
0: yoga lattes. did you watch the oc of course i did Yoga i made ben's dad a yama claws <gasps> for christmas oh, i need one yeah you know what to get me for
1: hell yeah I made them myself. But yeah, so the listeners had some really good submitted bad body image experiences and ways to fix them. Okay, so our listeners said um, similar things to you. I pick something I feel confident and comfy in and then I avoid mirrors. That was my thing last week of put a drape over your mirror that you can... Genius. Genius. If you guys do this at home, take a photo. I'll send a video of mine so that we can post it. Please do. Yeah. The other one I really liked, I remind myself of the progress I've made in other areas of my life. So like non-scale wins.
0: Yeah. Amazing. This is so important because it just reminds you to to not derive your worth from your weight, Mm -hmm. which is the goal. I speak to
1: myself the way I would speak to a friend.
0: I love that. I
1: love that because you would never say the things you say to yourself to somebody you care about, unless you're Emily's mom. No, I'm just kidding. Um, (laughs) This one I really liked. Two, I remind myself that I had bad body days at my thinnest, too. Um, there was a really good TikTok. I saw Julie Lawrenson and her wife, Camilla. They were like, I've hated my body this. I've hated my body this. And I realized my body has never been the problem. It's my yeah. brain. Yep. You know, it's how I have to recalibrate. Mm-hmm. And then the final one that I liked was I watch porn with people with bodies like mine to view in a desirable way. yes. Yes. Yes, yes, yes.
0: See, that's awesome. I admitted to Remy before this that I don't know where to find porn. Yeah, I'll um, tell you. There's a lot
1: of, most porn I think that we grew up with was made for men yeah, by men. Absolutely. Now there's a lot more female-made porn, a lot of more sensitive porn. There's um, this whole website called makelovenotporn.com.
0: Oh, do you know what I
1: started listening to? You can see Zipsy. actual couples. Oh, nice. But on on that website, you can see actual couples
0: having sex. So it's like, like real bodies oh like amateur yeah. not amateur but yeah. I, is that what it's amateur. called amateur like just regular couples regular filming people. themselves. i'm i could get into that I yeah think.
1: there's a lot um just search like normal bodies or whatever um or what give a a keyword of what your body looks like badass no tits you know <laughs> search that
0: um This is just one that you didn't mention that I kind of I don't know if I agree, Mm -hmm. but I like it. I put on workout clothes so I at least feel stronger. I've done that. That's like I've done that. That's a whole other level of manifesting your mood. And (laughs) I I feel like I could get on board with this. I mean, I definitely understand the feeling of like you're not going to work out, but you're putting on leggings just like to, to make your booty pop a little bit.
1: Not to make the booty
0: pop. Oh, just see, that's what I'm trying to do.
1: No, I think I think you put on the leggings because they're not sweatpants. At okay, least they so have like some structure a more to your structured. day.
0: Yeah, I'm just trying to make dead ass pop, but that's just me. Okay. All right. Should we wrap up?
1: <laughs> yes. Um, I'm feeling more positive today. Is there anything that you want to share before we go? I think I shared enough. I think you did share enough. <laughs> um, if you guys have any more questions about Emily's journey, you can reach oh, yeah. out to her.
0: Like. Actually, I love it when people slide in my DMs. Mm-hmm. I love connecting with you guys. And I know it's a lot of information. I mean, it's hard to boil down someone's entire life and entire experience into an hour. So um, I'm always willing to chit the chat with you guys. Um, anyway, that's it for today's episode. Be sure to send your questions to DST at Betches dot com to get them answered.
1: Follow us at Diet Starts Tomorrow on Instagram. And if you like this episode, please write us a review. And don't forget to check out our DST merch on shop.betches.com. Rate, review, and subscribe to the show. And then, of course, follow me at Remy Casimir. Follow me at Lubination. And we're always with you.
0: Through thick and thin.
1: Diet Starts Tomorrow is produced by Sean Kilby, Jorge morales Pico, and Aliza Zinn. Editing by Sean Kilby. Social media by Aliza Zinn guest booking by Allie Friedlander.
0: Be sure to follow Diet Starts Tomorrow on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And send us your emails to dst at betches.com or your voicemails to 212-287-5650. Betches.